What is up, guys? And welcome to the very first episode of Montreal Madness with your host, Tony Montreal. So before we begin today, I just want to start off by saying how grateful I am to be doing this right now. This podcast has been a long time in the making, and to finally see it come true, it just means so much to me. And thank you to all you out there who are listening and tuning in. Um, for me to share my love, my passion, my knowledge in the world of sports with all you, it really means a lot. So uh, thank you guys. Um, I know I got a little bit of the first episode jitters inside of me, so hopefully I can work through them throughout the show. Uh, but no, um, I hope you guys find this as exciting as I will. Um, it's going to be a good episode, so without further ado, let's get right at it. The first thing I feel like I need to address with all of you is the current pandemic situation we're all facing at this time. I mean, look guys, this isn't easy for any of us, especially for those of us who rely on sports as an escape from reality. It really does hit hard. I mean, whenever we're faced with a tragedy in the past, we could always fall back on sports to make life seem normal, albeit for a few hours. And now that's gone. I mean, this really just sucks. I mean, it just freaking sucks, man. I think we need to look back on, on this moment when this is all said and done and just realize how lucky we are to have sports in our lives and what they mean to us as a community and to never take sports for granted again. Because in my opinion, there was no greater power to bring communities together than the power of sports. So the next time your favorite team loses, or your favorite player doesn't have the best game, instead of getting so upset by it, and that ruins the rest of your day, take a step back and reflect in this time period, and realize just how lucky we are to have sports in our lives. Now what I just said there, I'm as guilty as anyone of getting too emotional over my favorite team losing. I'll admit that, but I've learned something through all this. And that's that I would rather see my favorite team lose every single game than to not watch them at all. And then when we are finally able to see our favorite team and our favorite players take to the field again, just remember and just realize that in the blink of an eye, it can be all taken away from us. Never take the power of sports for granted again. So moving on to my next segment. The first round of the NFL Draft begins this Thursday, April 23rd. And with the draft comes a new hope and new belief for every NFL team to believe out there that they are only a few picks away from going all the way to the Super Bowl. That is, unless you're the Cleveland Browns, where you just have no hope at all. Haha, <laughs> sorry Cleveland Browns fans, I'm just kidding. But not really. So I believe it's a consensus thought across the board that the Bengals are going to be selecting Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick. I mean, he's just a guy who can be a potential franchise quarterback for your team for the next 10 to 15 years. He can got, He's a guy who you can build not only your offense around, but your entire team around for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, he's just that type of NFL prospect. So I'm 99.9% sure the Bengals will be selecting Joe Burrow for number one overall pick. And so here you have the Redskins drafting a number two. And you have a guy in Chase Young, uh, edge rusher slash defensive end at Ohio State, who is probably the best NFL prospect coming out of college. Um, he's a guy that can uh, jump onto any NFL team right now and perform at a high level. That's just how talented this young kid is. Although, I would not be shocked to see if the Redskins took a quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa, for example. Especially, they don't, they don't believe in Dwayne Haskins and he can lead this team for the next few years. It would not shock me to see that. However, I just don't believe that will happen. And I have the Redskins uh, taking Chase Young at number two. At number three, you have the Lions. 
And this past offseason, they traded away Darius Slay to the Eagles. Um, he had a big falling out with Matt Patricia afterwards. That got pretty ugly really fast. Um, so now the Lions have a big void in their secondary to fill. So with that being said, I believe they take the best defensive back out of the draft and, drove, and go with Jeff Okuda out of OSU. And number four, you have the Giants selecting next. And I think it's a no-brainer. You go with Isaiah Simmons, uh, linebacker out of Clemson. I mean, this guy just had an insane NFL combine. Um, his stats were just off the charts, especially that 40-yard dash. Um, you know, he's a big sideline to sideline linebacker. He can do it all. He can uh, play the pass. He can uh, rush the passer. Um, he can play the run. He can just do it all. So I have the Giants selecting Isaiah Simmons at number four. At number five, you finally have the Dolphins selecting their franchise quarterback and Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, much like Joe Burrow, um, he's a guy you can build around. Uh, you can build a specific offense around him, much like the Ravens have in Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. So yeah, he's their guy for the next 10 to 15 years with that number five overall pick. Then at number 60 of the Chargers, uh, they lost Phillip Rivers to free agency uh, uh, to the Colts, um, but they still have plenty of weapons on the outside with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and they still got Melvin Gordon in the running game. Uh, so you go with Justin Herbert, uh, quarterback out of Oregon. Um, I believe he can come in right away, especially with those weapons surrounding him, can just make him that much better. And uh, so you go with Justin Herbert at number six. Then you have the Panthers at number seven. Now you signed Teddy Bridgewater for a pretty lengthy contract, and he performed really well with his time with the Saints whenever Drew Brees was out with that hand injury. But you just don't know how well that knee's going to hold up with him. I mean, he's proven to be injury prone now. So if I'm the Panthers, I'm looking at uh, Jordan Love, quarterback out of Utah State. Now, although he's more of a raw quarterback compared to guys like Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovola, and Justin Herbert, kind of reminds me of Josh Allen in a way. You know, he's very raw, but has a lot of potential. And if you develop him slowly and just work him into the offense, especially learning under Teddy Bridgewater, much like Aaron Rodgers did uh, under Brett Favre in Green Bay a decade or so ago, uh, I believe he can really be that franchise quarterback for the Panthers that they're desperately looking for, especially after Cam Newton left too. Um, so the Panthers selecting uh, Jordan Love, uh, quarterback out of Utah State at number seven. The Arizona Cardinals had the eighth overall pick, and just a few weeks ago they acquired DeAndre Hopkins from the Houston Texans. They got rid of uh, David Johnson with that atrocious contract. Um, they keep Kenyon Drake. Uh, they still have Larry Fitzgerald. Um, so they have some really good weapons surrounding Kyler Murray. But now they need to protect him. So I believe the Arizona Cardinals take Jedrick Wills Jr., uh, offensive lineman out of Alabama. And number nine, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they lost Clayus Campbell to free agency. Um, their defensive line um, has really taken a hit these past couple years. So they address that position by taking Derek Brown, defensive lineman out of Auburn. At number 10, you have Cleveland selecting. And on paper, this still looks like a really good football team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, a lot of experts said last year that this team was going to have a 10-win season or even better, make the playoffs. Well, they fell really short of that benchmark. And uh, I just don't know how well this team can improve um, with the 10th overall pick. However, I believe they take... Georgia offensive lineman Andrew Thomas to kind of protect Baker Mayfield a little bit better. Uh, so that's who I have Cleveland selecting the 10th overall pick. And number 11, man, Sam Darnold on the Jets desperately need a wide receiver. And this draft class is pretty deep with wide receivers across the board. Um, one of the better wide receiver draft classes in recent memory. And they take probably the best wide receiver in this draft class in C.D. Lamb, uh, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. So at number 12 and number 13, 
I think you see a pair of Alabama wide receivers go back to back with Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy going to the Las Vegas Raiders and helping Derek Carr in that offense. Then you have Henry Ruggs III going to the 49ers, especially after losing Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints of free agency. Um, you get a big weapon for uh, Jimmy G to throw to. Um, just helps out that uh, passing game for the 49ers. And uh, those two uh, wide receivers from Alabama, I believe, go 12-13 and 13 back-to-back. At number 14, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won the Tom Brady sweepstakes just a few weeks ago. Uh, he has a lot of good wide receivers to throw to now with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, now he needs someone to protect him. So they go with Mekhi Benton, uh, offensive lineman out of Louisville. At number 15, you have the Denver Broncos. And uh, during the middle of the season last year, they made the quarterback switch from Joe Flacco to Drew Locke. And uh, Locke really excelled in the in the last, you know, seven to eight games with the uh, Denver Broncos. Um, but they lost Emmanuel Sanders um, via at the trade deadline last year. Um, they have Cortland Sutton, but outside of him, they really don't have anybody at the wide receiver position. So I believe they go have Justin Jefferson um, out of LSU. And number 16, you have the Atlanta Falcons, who were just atrocious on defense last year. I mean, they got burned after big play after big play. Um, so they get Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama, kind of shore up that back end. And number 17, you have the Dallas Cowboys. Now, they lost Byron Jones, a really, really good defensive back um, to the Miami Dolphins in free agency. So they filled that need um, by getting a cornerback out of Florida, C.J. Henderson. And number 18, you have the Dolphins selecting for the second time in the draft. And uh, with selecting Tua Tagovailoa with the number five overall pick, they go offensive line now with Josh Jones. And number 19, you have the Raiders' second and final pick in the first round. And they address their defensive back needs with Jeff Gladney out of TCU. At number 20, you have Jacksonville uh, drafting for the second and final time in the uh, first round. And they go with another defensive back, uh, LSU cornerback Christian Fulton. At 21, the Eagles desperately need a quarterback for Carson Wentz. I mean, this guy has all the tools to be your prototypical uh, NFL pocket passer, um, really good quarterback. He just needs help on the outside. So they get T. Higgins, uh, wide receiver out of Clemson, uh, to help fill that void. Now, I was really torn to see uh, who the Vikings uh, would take with the number 22 pick. Um, you know, they lost Stephon Diggs to the uh, Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, like I said before, this is just a deep wide receiver class this year, and they can easily take someone like KJ Hamler in the second round, for example. And uh, we all know Mike Zimmer loves his defensive guys, so I believe they take cornerback um, A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. Now, 23 of the New England Patriots, and this is going to be a really weird year for them. Um, for the past two decades, they have just dominated the NFL. Uh, Bill Belichick has always seemed to be one step ahead of the competition, uh, but this year is going to be different. Uh, not only did they lose Tom Brady, they lost all three of their starting linebackers. They lost their starting center. Outside of Julian Edelman, they don't have any good wide receivers at all. Um, so it's tough to tell who they're going to take. Um, I believe they're in a, you know, take the best player available situation. So they take Iowa edge rusher A.J. Epeniza. You have the New Orleans Saints selecting next to number 24. And much like a lot of these teams uh, later in the first round, uh, they're basically just taking the best player available. And right now I have that being Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma. Kind of shores up the middle of that defense a little bit. A really speedy linebacker. Um, a really sure tackler. Um, I think he's going to be a really good fit for that New Orleans Saints defense. And number 25, you have the Vikings selecting again. And I believe uh, this is the pick they address their wide receiver in. And that's going to be Brandon 
uh, Ayuk uh, out of Arizona State. And number 26, you have the Dolphins with the third and final uh, draft pick in the first round. And they replace uh, Minkah Fitzpatrick with uh, safety Antoine Winfield Jr. And number 27, you have the Seahawks. Um, I just have them going conservative here with um, an offensive lineman from Boise State, uh, Ezra Cleveland. At 28, I have the Ravens taking Patrick Green, linebacker of LSU. Um, for as good as that team is, uh, they're getting older at uh, defense. So I believe they add some young depth to that linebacking position with uh, Patrick Green. And number 29, you have the Tennessee Titans. Um, and this is where I believe um, Penn State's staying out. Utir Grismatos goes. Um, he's going to be a big help to that defensive line. A um, little bit of a raw project. Um, he might get in some rotation work during the middle of the season. I don't see him playing that much early on, but uh, I believe he will get into that uh, depth rotation as the year goes on for the Titans, and uh, hopefully it turns out for him. And number 30 of the Green Bay Packers, uh, much like the uh, Seattle Seahawks, I believe they kind of go on the conservative side and go with LSU offensive lineman Lloyd Cushenberry III. And with the 32nd and last pick in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft, you have the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, taking Noah Iganogni, defensive back out of Auburn. So staying within the topic of the draft, for the first time since 1967, the Steelers will be without a first-round draft pick. In fact, they have to wait to the number 49th overall selection to make their next pick. But if I'm Kevin Colbert and I'm Mike Tomlin and I'm sitting there in that draft room, I'm selecting players that can help me win now rather than in the future. I mean, you got a top three defense, if not the best defense going into this year. You get a healthy Big Ben back. You addressed your need of the tight end position with the signing of Eric Ebron. Um, even though Ramon Foster retired, uh, you filled that position with uh, Stephen Wisniewski, um, former chief and former Penn State alum. Um, so right now, I think you focus on a lot of skill positions and you focus on a lot of interior line depth. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm selecting K.J. Hamler, wide receiver out of Penn State. You know, he kind of reminds me of Mike Wallace in a way. Not only can he burn the top off a of defense, but he can run a lot of jet sweeps and a lot of wide receiver reverses, um, much like Mike Wallace did back in his heyday with the Steelers. You know, even though he's on the smaller side, uh, he can still get by a lot of guys. Yeah, he gets a lot of good separation. He's really good at run after the catch. Um, he will greatly um, help out that uh, wide receiver position, uh, give Big Ben another target to work with. So I believe the Steelers will go with K.J. Hamler with the number 49th overall selection. Now, if available in the third round, the Steelers have got to get this guy, Malik Harrison, uh, linebacker out of OSU. I mean, he's kind of like an Isaiah Simmons in a way where he can run sideline to sideline, really good in pass coverage, um, can rush the passer if need be. Uh, but if you pair him to Devin Bush in the middle of that defense, uh, watch out. This could be one scary front seven for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially um, getting uh, Stephen Tuitt back um, after injury last year. But as the Steelers get deeper in the draft, that's where I feel like they're going to address their depth at um, offensive line and defensive line. Um, you know, Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewart aren't getting any older. That offensive line with Marquise Pouncey and Alan uh, Villanueva aren't getting any older. So I believe they get younger at the interior line position as um, the draft goes on in the 5th, 6th, and 7th rounds. And um, so, yeah, there's my preview for the 2020 NFL Draft. So for my final segment here today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about my biggest and losers uh, from the NFL free agency period. So the Dolphins really made a big splash this offseason. They had $80 million in cap room to play with, and they didn't mess around. I mean, they got guys like Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, 
Jordan Howard, Emmanuel Ogbaugh, Shaq Lawson, and a few other depth guys. But they really address their needs on defense as well as the running game with Jordan Howard. And then if they get two in the draft, I mean, this team has the potential to be the most improved team in the NFL from last year to this year. I pr actually predict them to uh, be ahead of the Patriots in the AFC East this year with a nine-win season. You know, they're just going to keep improving. This is going to be a really good team in the years to come. My other biggest winner for this offseason has to be the Buffalo Bills. Now, although they didn't pick up a lot of players during free agency, they didn't lose really anybody during free agency outside of a couple in Terry Lyman on the defensive side of the ball and Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips. Um, but what they did get was a really talented wide receiver in Stephon Diggs on the outside opposite of John Brown. Uh, so if you look at the roster right now for the Bills, they have their entire offensive line intact from last year. They have John Brown, Stephon Diggs on the outside. They got a really, really good running back in Devin Singletary. They got one hell of a secondary in Micah Hyde and Trey White. And as long as Josh Allen keeps progressing the way he has been, I mean, this team has all the potential to um, be an elite force in the NFL. So Bills Mafia, keep smashing through them tables because I feel like you're going to be smashing through tables well into January. So now on to my biggest losers. And Bill O'Brien, I just got one thing to say to you. What the hell are you thinking? I mean, it's bad enough you trade DeAndre Hopkins, but in return you get David Johnson, a guy who had one good year and then fell off the wagon ever since he got injured. Plus he carries a massive contract. I mean, that was just a bad deal all the way around. I mean, there's no bright spot in that trade. Now they did get Randall Cobb, who, I mean, he's a decent wide receiver. He did all right for the Cowboys last year. But he's no DeAndre Hopkins. He's not going to pick up for that lack of production. And you know who I feel sorry for? Deshaun Watson. I mean, outside of Patrick Mahomes, this is the best young quarterback in the NFL today. And Bill Bryan has single-handedly took a team with so much potential and just squandered it all over the place. I mean, just what the hell are you doing, Bill O'Brien? Thank God you left Penn State. And I was even one of your supporters whenever you left. You know, I didn't like the James Franklin hire. You know, I thought you were doing really well with the players you had working with you. But you know what? Thank God Penn State let you go because you would have turned that program and ruined it into the ground. So thank you, thank you, thank you for leaving Penn State. Just thank you. And for my other biggest loser during this offseason, it has to be the New England Patriots. And God, does that feel so good to say. I mean, just look at their roster right now. It's downright laughable. They have no playmakers on offense outside of Julian Edelman. They lost their starting center. Plus, they lost all three of their starting linebackers from last year. And above all else, they have Byron Hoyer as their starting quarterback going into training camp. I mean, for all you masshole fans out there who think you're going to win Byron Hoyer, you're just you're kidding yourselves right now. And it just feels so good to come out with my first episode talking all this crap on the New England Patriots. Oh, it feels so freaking good. So with that being said, that's a wrap for my first episode of Montreal Madness. Make sure to go on Facebook and like my page at Montreal Madness. And until next time, see you later, folks.